In this episode, we are in conversation with Jordi Torres. He is the founder of Inventa. So Inventa was founded more than 15 years ago and it helps companies automate conversations via chatbots. Inventa requires no training, so your team can focus on conversation design rather than focusing on improving cognition. Inventa's patented lexicon handles all of that complexity for you. This makes sure that you can go live quickly and get value from day one. So Jordi and I talk about both Jordi's personal journey and how Inventa came to be. We discuss the types of organizations that benefit most from Inventa's technology. And we talk about the industry uh, as a whole, as how it's advanced and, and where it's headed. Uh, I very much enjoyed this conversation and I know you will too. Today we are in conversation with Jordi Torres, the founder and CEO of Inventa. Good to see you, man. Lovely to have you here. Absolutely, Hans. Thank you so much for having me here. It's, it's a oh. real pleasure. Oh, the, the pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. I think uh, what we discussed last week is you know, I've, I've known about you for a very long time and I've known about your company for a very long time and we never cross paths personally so this is the first time that we have like a proper chat and, and uh i think it's very nice that we, we bring people on this journey to sort of explore a little bit you know who you are what you've been up to and how you founded a company and and you know what makes that company so so awesome some of the problems that it's solving some of the things that it's doing and and, and the future of that so absolutely yeah, it, it's great to to learn about those things so in, in conversational AI, that's always like the first question. There's like so many people have their own journey into this space and different backgrounds. And, and uh, it's always really fascinating. So just very keen to know, you know, what's your story? What's your deal? How did you end up founding this company? Take us all the way back. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Hans. I'll be, will be my pleasure. <clears throat> and uh, just as you said, right, we... We've been working on conversational uh, AI for, for a while. And uh, so it's great that uh, meeting you guys uh, who are exactly in the same space from the training, consulting and implementation perspective. So that's, that's, that's amazing. So we started this, this journey at Inventa, basically trying to solve the problem that keyword-based search engines uh, basically had. And uh, when we started all that, essentially, uh, the, the big problem to solve was, okay, I have lots of pre-stored answers or, you know, what we would call frequently asked questions, right? That's, mm -hmm, that's, a, yeah. that's a section that has is now 50 years old. I mean, it's a, it's a real, it's as, as old as the internet, I believe. So the question is, you know, that's organizations had these frequently asked questions already uh, in their websites. And that was a, co a very common section that you can still see nowadays in most websites. And uh, if you have five frequently asked questions, well, the problem or the probability that you as a user, you will find any of these five frequently asked questions useful is very low because, you know, they're going to solve only five particular yeah. issues. If they have 1,000, 
then you know if you're not going to read one by one because that's a tedious problem is too long didn't read kind of problem so you're not going to do that so it seems it seems natural to say okay if we have so many frequently asked questions to solve most of our our customers problems um we can add a search engine right so you type your stuff and then the search engine will bring you frequently asked questions. The problem yeah. is, and that's how we started at Inventa, is when you type these words for what you are searching, most search engines will pull results that simply contain, contain the words that you typed. That's yeah. what a search engine does, right? So these were like on, on websites previously where you would get like this long string of like answers on one page and then you were still on a scavenger hunt. To exactly, sort of exactly. So you put a search. The problem is when you search, actually you're going to use the words that come from your problem. And mm. there's words might be totally different from the words of the frequently asked question. You might ask a question like, hey, can I bring my Doberman in the plane? Versus the best answer might be, this is our policy to travel with domestic animals. There's no yeah. common word, but hey, that's basically one thing is answering the other. So we develop our technology to overcome that problem. And we have built this uh, an NLP, right? Natural language processing to essentially try to compute how two sentences mean the same thing or a very similar thing. You might have, for example, a frequently question that says, how can I uh, reschedule an appointment? Uh, hypothetically. But, you know, a user will come and say, hey, um, I want to change the date of our meeting. Well, yeah. you say reschedule, you said appointment, your guy says meeting, says change the date. So totally different words. So a regular or like a traditional keyword-based keyword search is not gonna work. So we developed a technology to match user questions with answers. And that's something that happened in the, in the 2010s, right? Yeah. And, um, very successful. That's basically we build entire lexicon grown up. And then when the conversational AI <clears throat> comes in, it's like, well, essentially that's not the problem is kind of the same. We can now use that engine to essentially match user questions with intents, right? Yeah. Which is the whole mantra on the on the AI space in the conversational AI. The advantage here is that we had so much experience and uh, language knowledge and uh, NLP that now we are able to match these user questions with intents with no training. That's basically the thing. It's like we don't require you to have to give the AI examples and examples and examples or mm -hmm. utterances, as they call it. So that that's basically pre-built in the in the system that's that's yeah. the, that's the story over here yeah so so a lot of these systems they have their intent structure you know their their architecture somebody says that there's an utterance and it's it's pretty much statistics we're shooting darts based on statistics oh there's some similarity here let's try this intent or you know there's some competing intents so we want to sort of ask another question to sort of you know remove that that ambiguity but you 
have built the system in a way that it actually understands the meaning of what somebody says, and then you can map that to uh, to whatever the intent is. So rather exactly. than a statistical model, it's a linguistic model. Total, total. It's a linguistic model that you are you are totally right because. Now we live in this world, right, for the last maybe 10 years of absolute faith in machine learning. As we all came to believe that, you know, if you throw enough data, intelligence will emerge magically from, from that data thanks to uh, machine learning algorithms which is true in some cases, right? It's the machine learning and deep learning algorithms have been uh, amazingly successful with applications like image recognition or pattern recognition, or even, you know, game theory like uh, Go and, and many mm. other, right? So it's been, it's been successful. But when it comes to natural language processing, this is yet to prove. I mean, mm. we just believe that by throwing examples, we're gonna we're gonna get all that. But in many cases, it simply doesn't work like that. And most of the systems will come back to you and say, "Hey, if the results are not what you wanted, well, give us more example, more data. You didn't enter enough data." So then you ask, "Okay, and how much data is enough data?" And they say, "I don't know. As long as you are unhappy." throw more data. So, and, and natural language processing is probably one of the most difficult challenges in, yeah. in AI. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's the reality, right? So just by brute force probability um, examples is, so Hans, you are a very smart guy. I, I know that. And um, do you speak Russian? I, I don't know. It's a bit rusty. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, do you speak Japanese? Let me let, t tell me a language that you really don't speak. <laughs> I don't speak Japanese. I don't okay. speak Russian. I speak English, Dutch, and Frisian, which is a, oh, a small Frisian. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I know. I know about Frisian because I am from Barcelona. So my mother wow. tongue is Catalan. So I, I know a bit about uh, minority languages in Europe. Yes, fascinating, Perfect. fascinating topic. So anyways, you start tomorrow working for a call center in Tokyo for a big corporation in, in Japan. Um, man, they're going to fire you in eight hours or less <clears throat> for a simple reason. You don't speak Japanese. You don't understand anything. Yeah. So you tell, you tell the guys, okay, no problem. I will learn. The only thing you have to give me is examples of user questions. And I will start memorizing these uh, examples and give the right, right answer. How is that going to work? How can you effectively make oh. someone believe that you just by giving you examples in a language that you don't understand in the first place, trying to figure out, you know, ways to say, well, when they say, these kind of sounds, that's kind of the answer that I'm giving. That's going to take a long time for you to be effective. So yeah. imagine that's what machine learning is supposed to do. Just by throwing examples, they're supposed to learn entire logic, which of course is not happening. What machine learning does in most cases is just memorize these examples. And uh, that's, that's, you know, that's very 
and effective we believe that takes a long time for for our cast potential customers to to yeah. you know collect all that data and did you because uh, i imagine sort of when, when this conversational ai started emerging more and more a couple of years ago that you were very much counterculture in a way then with your approach because uh, everybody's you know invested in in deep learning and, and doing that statistical approach do you now see an uptake on the inventa side because you see a disappointment now broader in the market of people that are like yeah maybe maybe that that the jordy guy that jordy guy might be might be right there that's a very um, a very good question and indeed let's say 2016 the whole uh, deep learning and machine learning and the, the chatbot uh kind of uh re emerge of the whole thing i, I have to confess i got concerned because I say, hey, hmm, you know, we have invested here a lot of time, a lot of time and energy and, and, and money and all that. And now with this uh, algorithm, right, deep learning applied to natural language, boom, they're going to, they're going to, you know, have that technology that is able now to learn yeah. a language, to understand language, to drive a car, to, 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 to do so many things. But hey, Hans, this is 2021. Um, how many self-driving, full self-driving cars have you seen today? None, because, you know, it's harder than they promised. So same thing when it applies for natural language processing. It's harder than, than it seems. So at the end of the day, um, we do use machine learning algorithms. We do. And uh, we apply those algorithms to the data that we have, which is user behavior. So you see... There's a user asks a question, and you know it's inevitable that you the, system, the linguistic system will have several potential options. Yeah. And then what we do is like, okay, let's see what users prefer, and let's use this as a machine learning. So basically, we do apply a heck of machine learning material based on the data that is free and comes all the time, which is user behavior. Yeah, so so based on user B, so you have the linguistic model that requires no training and it extracts potential intents, and then you use machine learning for the disambiguation based on behavioral patterns that people might have. Correct, correct. That's exactly what we do. We we call we call it like a digital brain with two hemispheres, right? You know that that we are two persons in, inside our head and it's like two brains, one in every hemisphere. And we don't realize that, but basically uh, in every human head, the, you know, different potential behaviors are all the time analyzed. And then, uh, you know, they're negotiated between the two hemispheres and, you know, one is in charge of logic. Another one is more like imagination and creativity. So we do a similar thing. One is uh, one hemisphere, one digital hemisphere is linguistic. It's all about language analysis, computational linguistics. And the other one is all about machine learning. So it's about experience and about um, um, machine learning and neural networks. And uh, as you might imagine, at the beginning, when I have a new customer, the machine learning, well, hasn't had time to learn yet. But over time, they, the, the machine learning hemisphere gets more and more experience. So you will see that there is, a, let's say, a local learning curve. So our yeah. systems get, get automatically better just by making sure that the user behavior is, is, um, 
is recorded and used as training data. Yeah, and and so then when you have a new customer, how long does it take for a for a new customer to go live with you, and what is then the uptake like three or good six gra- months later? Good, good question. And uh, if I uh, if I answer depends, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's very disappointing. Very disappointing. It's very disappointing, <laughs> and yet the truth. But typically, right? Um, we we say to our customers, hey, do you have the content? Do you have that that content already? If you do, that's half of the problem is already solved. What is that content? Maybe your existing knowledge base. Maybe, hey, take your old frequently asked question section that you had somewhere buried in your and your website, and we're gonna use that. So that's the first yeah. step. Then we go live, and that's that's if we have the content, we can go live in 24 hours. And that's that's really fast. And then what is going to happen is you start measuring, you start uh, understanding what your users are asking and which content you should create. And then you start saying, okay, I need to figure out now how to deal with conversation. Once I understand what customers are asking and to do do that, we offer all these analytics tools, uh, what we call uh, symbolic clustering, basically mapping out what users are asking. And then you have to start figuring out what is the dialogues that you have and then companies like yours hands is when they come really handy because it's like okay now what i need now that i understand by what my customers are asking and now that i have an ai that will match these questions with actual answers now i start to think what is the strategy for these answers how Hmm. what what i'm going to say how how i'm going to say that which which the kind of the dialogues which transactions should I put put together? So, you know, in a couple of weeks, you are alive, but I would say it's it takes maybe three months until you have a full trained, uh, full featured chatbot. And then of course there is a maintenance to basically make sure you keep up with uh, any any changes or, or new challenges or new new questions. Yeah. That's, and, and that, that's a better, more realistic answer to your question. Yeah, and, and that maintenance, that is then more on the content side rather than on the model side correct is more yeah. on the content side but that's the, that's the that's the the catch right so if you are down the line in in production and you say okay i need to create a new content today with a tool that uses machine learning is going to tell you oh great Give me the new content and give me the training data for that content. And then you're going to say, well, it is new, so I don't know the training data. And uh, basically, here we are. That's You, you need yeah. to add training data versus with a symbolic AI solution like Inventa. You basically put the new content and it is the AI who is in charge to understand that new, new content and give uh, and, and, and provide these answers when when the relevant questions are asked. Yeah, so it's so probably going to be easier to get the scale because what you see is the like the content people and the business people they get very excited that there's a chatbot, so they want to add more use cases and the corpus growth. And if in a machine learning approach, you know, you can have you, know, you need the training data, but you also have all these competing intents, right? So then all of a sudden you get that battle where you're going to be running KFAL tests all the time because you want to make sure people get to the answers. So you have, once you really commit to conversational as an enterprise, you start creating a lot of content, uh, but then actually the access to that content becomes increasingly more problematic because 
the intense structure is is hard to scale with competing intents. Absolutely, and I think that you you said here a, a beautiful concept: competing intents, and that's exactly what happens. You ask a question, and every intent is a potential answer. So the, any AI needs to score every intent and try to choose the best one or the best ones. But yeah. um, you know when when uh, when you have no training data for that intent, they are unable to compete, right? So so that's basically what the, you know if you use only uh, brute force machine learning, you need to uh, to basically try to figure out these examples just by pulling them out of your heck, right? It's like I don't know. <laughs> I imagine that these are the examples, but it's always costly and uh, requires. Lots of well, lot, lot of at the end of the day, is not economic from from yeah. an maintenance standpoint. This episode is brought to you by Conversation Design Institute, the world's leading training and certification institute for creating human-centric AI assistants. And I just really want to take a short moment to tell you about our course on AI training. So we discovered that lots of organizations struggle with AI training. They don't really know how to clean up utterances and turn them into good training phrases. They find it hard to have a diverse set of training phrases to make their assistant more inclusive. And they're not really sure how to you know, maintain cognition when the corpus grows and you get more competing intents. Well, all those things you're going to learn in our AI training course. So you'll learn how to train your models, create a winning intent architecture, how to implement these conversations, um, of course, how to monitor the AI assistant's performance and how to improve cognition. And just as important, you're going to learn how to be the bridge between designers and engineers. So to learn more about this course and the role of the conversation designer within your conversational AI team, go to conversationdesigninstitute.com slash courses. So that's conversationdesigninstitute.com slash courses. So, so your your typical customers, I, I guess it's like the usual suspects, right? The, the banks, telco, utility companies, like high volume customer service, correct companies. Correct. And and what do these teams then look like? Because what we see with a lot of these companies is that, so we train people for AI training, conversation design, and copywriter. Usually, the ratio between the three roles is three to one. So there's three people training the model, two people designing the conversation, sort of the interaction, and there's one very strong copywriter. Doesn't mean you always need six people. It's kind of like the, the balance, but you don't need those AI training people, right? So, so what is typically if if I'm a, if I'm a, a telco with like I don't know 100 use cases in this thing. How, what does my team look like in general when, when I'm an inventor customer? Oh, good, good question. Indeed, you don't need three people training the, the, the system. That's, that's unneeded. So you free all these resources. What we, uh, what we advise is instead of uh, three um, um, training you know, data scientists and one copywriter, is you have four copywriters because at the end of the day, it's all about content. You need good content, uh, comprehensive content. And uh, the more you invest in that content to be short, specific, well understood, and uh, you you know are you know, really able to, to try that content with your customers, you know that 
every content that you produce will have a, a great um, um, return on investment. And uh, we and we said, okay, take these resources, put them in content, and you yeah. are free from trade. We AI, our AI takes the responsibility of uh, of this training data. It's it's not yeah. you, you don't have to take care of that. Yeah. So so with a lot of companies like they want to leverage conversational AI because of the promise of, you know, personalized transactional conversations, bringing down costs, making people happier. Uh, but in order for them to unlock that potential, they actually have to turn themselves into machine learning <laughs> practitioners, uh, AI terms, and that's what they need to get good at. Whereas with you, it's actually, you can focus on what's the conversation that I want to have with people. Correct. So there's nothing in the way and nothing's blocking an organization from actually thinking about, I have these customers, they have these issues. What is the most human centric conversation that I would like to have with them to get them a good experience and, and make everybody. Exactly. Happy? Exactly. We totally, we totally, you know, we don't, we don't get much into the content space. Our customers yeah. are supposed to do that. And at the end of the day is a partnership, right? With the, the overall system is as good as the content is. The only yeah. thing we can do is to make sure that that content will be found, will be matched yeah. um, from the right intents. But yeah. at the end of the day, uh, having that content is, is is the most crucial and critical part, uh, which is precisely what you guys, uh, I understand, help your, your customers do with the Conversational Design Institute. It's exactly that. It's how can I make sure that my content is effective? Yeah. And, and, and I like that because what, what's it's kind of, you know, if I have a thousand hours to spend to learn something new, if I'm an enterprise, would I, if I'm an insurance company, would I want to get good at, at training a language model or would I want to get good at giving my customers a good conversation? And I think that that should be almost like a no brainer then, right? To sort of focus on, on the interaction and making sure everybody you know, it's always like we need to make sure that, that we understand what people say and we want people to feel understood. And here, you don't have to worry about understanding what people say. You just focus on, you know, making sure people feel understood and get their problems resolved. That's, uh, that, that it is a nice approach. And where, where do you now see, because you sort of went against everybody with this model. And now, I guess, a lot of people with some of the disappointments in, in, in machine and deep learning now, I don't know how that evolves. Um, so you sort of, that's a big win for you, I guess, but what's now next for Inventa that you want to focus on? Is it going more, you know, making it easier to leverage more conversational interfaces and, and do voice and on the social media channels, or maybe you're already doing some of that or wh where's the, Where's the product development? Yeah, heading? that's a good that's a good question because, as I said, right, it was basically 2016 is like, oops, you know, we're gonna have this uh, big competitor called new algorithm, right, or deep learning, and we did get into that, and we and we we had our R and D working on that, experimenting on that, and trying to see, trying to take the best out of it, and you know what? Didn't work. It, at the end of the day, it worked always worse than our existing algorithms. So mm. instead of having these two competing algorithms, we came up with this idea of combining two algorithms in this hybrid kind of solution, this, this kind of brain with two hemispheres that I was, that was talking to you about. And now, just as you said, you know, we have the system up and running and, um, and where, where we are for the futures is like, okay, once you have the conversational AI, you realize that, okay, wh which channels are you having these conversations? Classic 
is this widget on your website, right? But now if you're in Europe or in Asia, you would appreciate uh, being able to deal with your customers with WhatsApp, um, with uh, text messages, uh, with Slack. So there's a whole uh, mantra around multi-channel, right? And, and uh, it's very hard to keep up if you, if you say, okay, I'm going to have Facebook and WhatsApp. Okay. And then, oh, no, no, wait, also text message. Oh, wait, also Instagram. Oh, wait, also Slack. So there is yet, there's always another channel. So if you try to have this integrated into the product, it makes it hard to, to, to keep up. So what we have decided is saying, okay, we have our API and essentially the multi-channel is going to be essentially connection modules that are free for our customers. So we have uh, something called the integration hub where we are constantly publishing new integrations. And one of these integrations that's interesting integrations is, is voice. So, okay, if you have your conversation and, um, and you have your effective conversation digitally, you could theoretically bring that conversation to voice. And uh, we are having many of these uh, um, integrations right now going, going on. Um, kind of work, well, if you know Siri and all these assistants, you know the drill, right? You ask a question, you wait a few seconds or some mm -hmm. weird <laughs> silence, and then the, the, the system comes, comes, comes back with an answer because basically the problem is solved in two spaces. First, understand, first translate voice to text, then mm -hmm. try to understand what the heck is the text about, then producing an answer. And once you have the answer, translating that to voice. voice. But we humans, we don't do that, right? We speak uh, as, you know, we, we as, as, as human is speaking, you are hearing and you are already creating hypotheses for a potential, a potential answer. Yeah. So that's a, that's a fascinating a, a, a space on AI as well, right? We as humans, we use our eyes to read the leaps for, for me. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, as you, as you might hear, I'm not a, uh, a native English speaker, right? So at the end of the day, and uh, I think you are not also, right? So, so good, good news is we can understand each other, but, but um, for me, it's easier to understand uh, English speakers, particularly the ones that speak super quick, um, if I have a webcam, because then I can mm. see the lips moving and my, my yeah. brain is syncing both things. None of that AI is built yet. Not, none of, our, none of, the, of the technologies are really using sound and image and meaning to basically produce that because if we could then you would have siri answering right yeah. away which is not which is not the case i think this is some of the you know the spaces that we're exploring now with different partners in the in the speech uh, area but a, a, lo a lot of that uh, uh, language processing is also going to take place more on the device itself, right? To make it, it faster. Because now it's like you take the input and they send it all the way through Iceland to Palo Alto or, or Mountain View, I guess. And then it goes back and through service there. So that slows it down. I think a lot of the like Apple devices and Google devices will have more of that NLU on the device to speed it up a little bit. Totally, uh, totally. That's uh, totally right. But hey, if you have 
20 million uh, neurons in your neural network uh, to process language, uh, it, it simply they don't fit in one. In one. <laughs> <laughs> Too many. Uh, but yes, phones. exactly. Maybe. And uh, there, there are already some some initiatives, right? The, the new laptops from Apple, they come with a machine learning processor, which is which is amazing. So I, I believe that we're going to see now devices uh, coming with um, um, tailored or specific uh, microprocessors for, for machine learning in our uh, mobile devices. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure yeah. they are already. I mean, I have no idea, right? But I believe they are working already on that. Yeah, so that that makes everybody. So any any customer that's using Inventa has their content in order, has designed properly, you know, sort of voice first in a way that you can, you know, deploy it on any channel, pretty much. Because our belief is always, if you totally. can do the conversation via voice with like the bare minimum real estate, then you can also do it on a chatbot on an exactly. channel. So if you do that properly, you have your content management, you've designed well, and sort of that on-device processing goes up so that the interaction is even faster, then you can really, any company can sort of create a wonderful human-centric experience Correct. no matter where the customer is, actually. Correct. And then this is one of the, the things that we are working right now, which is, okay, so we have all these call centers with humans working there. And then you have this uh, conversational AI <clears throat> taking care of some conversations. How can they work together? So we are now uh, developing this, uh, this concept that we call microbot, right? Or micro chatbot, mm -hmm. which will is essentially a number of microbots that would uh, solve specific um, um, problem. So instead of yeah. having like, okay, is it either a chatbot or a human? They will be both working, working together. I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. So if I need to ask, like, so I'm talking to a customer, it's like, oh, that's interesting. I now know that I need a bunch of your personal information or whatever, or like the bot can take over and take over the process. Exa and once exactly. Exactly. We see these already in some specific cases for security purposes. For example, when in the call center, they will ask you for your credit card information. They will say, now we need your credit card information, but don't give it to me, give it yeah. to this. But then when they, the call center agent goes into the, into the, the really is an IVR that only, you know, is able to manage numbers. And then you enter your credit card information there. So, so that's a very simplistic a model of a microbot, right? But essentially saying, okay, now to take your order for the pizza, my colleague microbot one is going to do that for you. And uh, you can have a number of microbots that will, at the end of the day, speed up the process uh, that that human have to do that, have to do all, all the time, right? So, so we are we are working on this on this space, the, the idea of microbots, the idea of of uh, bots of bots. And uh, the, the capability to work together with humans to to um, improve customer experience. Does that mean that if I'm an Inventa customer somewhere next year or maybe sooner or later, that if I log in, I'm going to see like a library of like predefined components of microbots that I can sort of string together and integrate with all these? Is that sort of the the thing that you're sort of like an app store almost? Of, of validated components that customers can yes, use these microbots. Exactly. Okay. Yes, that's exactly that's exactly the space. We will have these libraries 
of microbots that solve specific purposes. And uh, we will try to bring what software development has had for many years, right? Software, software development, you know, when they started with Fortran and COBOL and whatnot in the, in the 50s and 60s, you know, you know, one computer program was one monolithic uh, yeah. space. Now we use microservices, right? The specific software to solve a specific uh, things and we use uh, APIs. So software now is way more modular and use and use object oriented paradigms to, to solve the problem. So we will, what we see is like, okay, we're gonna take the same concept to the, to the chatbot. Now one chatbot is today, most of them are one monolithic implementation. Okay, this is our chatbot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We we believe that you know more and more we we're gonna need to to make this modular to be able to to have uh, um, you know particular conversations taking over our particular um, chatbot. So that the same idea that that today we are talking about the microservices. I believe that uh, in the future, very recent, very near future, we're gonna talk about microbots. Yeah. And then microbots in a way that I can edit them and I can change them and I can give them my tone of voice and the soul of the company so that we don't have the same boring robotic experience regardless of the company. Because I think that's sort of where some people like have tried to do templates, but templates don't really work. Uh, but actually, what's the structure of the conversation? What's the interaction that takes place transactionally? if you have that component and then give the company the freedom to make it sound the way they want to and, and change the words, then that's definitely something Absolutely. that can work. And, and everybody just makes use of these libraries of these micro bots. And you Correct. sort of go, you go deeper into your, your system, become more transactional, much faster, I imagine. So then on one hand, you're sa helping customers save time where they don't have to train any language model. At the same time, you make it much easier for them to go deeper into the back end with these Absolutely. microservices. Absolutely. But also, you know, as, as you know, we have seen with uh, software development and the technologies on the internet, right? We have today uh, things like RESTful API and, uh, and JSON, right? These are standards at the end of the day are used every day to make technology, different technologies to interact with each other. And it's all about the protocol. So the protocols are there today that allows you to connect your CRM with your business intelligence system and your business intelligence system with your billing system. And nowadays in software, uh, it's there's a lot of uh, APIs, RESTful API and all that. So I believe that that protocol to, to make bots communicate with each other or micro bots communicate with, with, with each other is still to be built. So, but imagine that you, you talk, you, you, you say, hey Siri, how much money do I have in my bank account? Well, Siri doesn't know that, but Siri might communicate with the microbot in your bank, right? Where mm. there, is, there is a standard protocol that say, and Siri could say, sure, let me, add, let me forward your question to maybe not Siri, right? But maybe this other name that will uh, have that information for you. And then, hey, this is Hans from uh, Netherlands, uh, from, from whatever uh, bank, uh, your, your balance now is this amount. Thank you. And then the conversation goes back. So you could have, you know, these microbots interacting with each other. 
Yeah, so you have bots about handovers, but they don't even have to be within the specific domain. So identity becomes a big issue, uh, maintaining contacts between bots. Because if I have Siri talk to to my bank, there's like, how do you carry contacts from one architecture to the next while wow. respecting my identity, respecting my data? Uh, these are very tricky. These are tricky very questions. tricky, tricky <laughs> things. So how can we design a protocol for all that, that a always works and b is secure right because when you add a new protocol it's a matter of time that then the bad guys will start saying hmm, how can we exploit that and yeah. then the new ideas for hackers to get into the into the system yeah. right? i uh, i know i know a system that's working on this uh, problem I'll, I'll show you some other time oh um, interesting yeah, you're gonna like it. Now, uh, I think I feel like we can talk for for a very long time. And and in in fact, for people listening to this and or watching this, we're also gonna be doing that. Because uh, so I'm gonna cut you off now a little bit because we're sort of at the end of our time. But uh, for people uh, listening to this, if you want to hear more, uh, Jordi also has a podcast. He's gonna be interviewing me, so uh, so Absolutely. we have plenty. We have plenty to talk about so you can also tune in for that uh jordi um uh you know for for people that you know have listened to your story that like what you do that are interested in in learning more uh where do they find you how do they reach out to you what do you want them to do yes totally so well the company right my company is inventa uh so uh with uh b as in boy so they can find me there um, my LinkedIn super easy to find Jordi Torres. Uh, they have to just uh, search there. There's another guy who I think is a basketball player, so that's not the one. Uh, the uh, that it's it's the other guy. It's the other one, right. And uh, I with uh, LinkedIn, what I try to do is uh, be open with any connection that is that is getting into 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 my network profile, and uh, it's you know just uh, it might take. You know, a few times, but any message in my, in my LinkedIn profile eventually will I, I will read and answer. That's that's what I can tell. That, that, that's a wonderful promise. I've said that many times, but it's very difficult to keep up. <laughs> but, yeah, it requires a little bit of work, but yes, yeah, that's what I'm yeah sometimes you're a couple months late. But uh, no, <laughs> thank you so much. I very much enjoyed it. I've, I've learned a, I've learned a lot. It's very interesting. Like I said, like I used to work at you know, a competitor of yours. So your name would always come up and we'd kind of look at you, but we never had a chance to to really chat. And, and I, I learned a lot from your perspective on the industry. So thank you so much for, for doing this, man. Really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you again for having me here. Hey there, you made it to the end. Congratulations. I really appreciate that. Uh, I know you're busy, so you've listened to a full episode. So congrats on you. Great job. So now what should we talk about? No, I'm just kidding. First of all, thanks. Second of all, if you want to learn more about Conversation Design Institute, I highly recommend that you go to the website, conversationdesigninstitute.com. And there you can sign up for a free account and start your learning journey. So you can learn about you know, AI training, conversation design, conversational copywriting. There's lots of technology courses. So now that you've gathered these technology agnostic skills, uh, what are you going to do next? You know, Are you going to learn about Allen App, Qbox, Raza, Cognigy? We have all these different technology courses as well. So there's a whole, whole portfolio. So 
I recommend you know going there, creating a free account, watching a few videos. If that's enough for you, great. Uh, if you want more, you can just enroll and become a certified professional. These courses are really good if you are you know an individual designer, writer that wants to learn about conversational AI. But if you're an enterprise and you're looking to scale up your team, uh, lots of enterprises onboard their entire team to these courses to scale them up quickly. And it's also an option to add extra workshops with that and extra coaching sessions. So you quickly get that enterprise team where you want it to be. If that's a little too much, maybe uh, there's also papers you can download on the website, maybe learn a bit about how we've helped Vodafone skill up 100 people in different countries, in different languages, using different technologies, creating the Toby chatbot in apps, on websites, in voice, all these types of things. So you can learn about that too. The best way to stay in touch, follow the podcast. You know, you'll, you'll hear all the latest updates. Uh, say hello on Twitter. H-V-D-A-M is my handle. Stands for Hans van Dam, obviously. Uh, or just type in my name on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I post regularly. I like to engage with people there. Uh, so feel free to do that. So again, thank you so much to for listening to this podcast. You know, happy to meet again for the next one. <laughs>